102.5 FM, KXSFLP San Francisco, and KXSF.FM. You're tuned in to Spark, informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. This is Kelly Marlowe, host of Spark. Today I'm talking with three entrepreneurs about how they are pivoting during this pandemic. We will be talking about the important elements that are helping them sustain and even growing their business for the longer term. The first entrepreneur is Sharon Zimmerman, who owns a jewelry business that spans online. Thanks for joining me on Spark today, Sharon. Happy to be here. Tell us about your business and what it was like before the pandemic. Sure. I've been a jewelry maker for about 17 years. And the last nine years, I've had my own business as a jewelry designer and light manufacturing of jewelry. And about a year ago, I pivoted my business to start doing more teaching and workshops out of my studio space. Uh, It was something I'd wanted to do for a while. And after my last studio mate moved out, I decided to just jump right in and uh, was actually experiencing quite a bit of success teaching jewelry classes to everyone from beginners to intermediate students. And what is it like for you now? Um, it's different. <laughs> um, uh, you know, for the last year, I'd also slowed down a lot of my jewelry sales. I wasn't selling to as many stores, so that was already in process. So I don't feel too much of a shift there. I wasn't expecting any orders coming in from stores in the next few months anyway, and that, of course, is still not happening. Uh, as you know, retail is taking a pretty big hit right now. Uh, but the big way that it's impacted my business is that I'm no longer able to do workshops in my studio space. Uh, my The building that my space is in was deemed non-essential. And so for the time being, I'm not able to host live in-person workshops. That's been the biggest impact. That's been the biggest impact. How are mm-hmm. you then pivoting from that? Sure. So uh, one thing that I'm doing is I had switched most of my inventory, my live inventory on my website to being uh, just one of a kind pieces. Uh, So those are all available to ship out. Uh, I don't have to manufacture anything at the moment, which is good because I don't have the means to manufacture without access to my full studio. Uh, But the biggest way that I'm pivoting right now is even starting back at the beginning of this year before coronavirus was impacting us. Uh, I had already started putting together a way to do online courses about jewelry. My initial concept had been to do jewelry business classes, but the biggest shift for me right now is that I'm starting to do recordings of jewelry how-to videos, uh, which was not something that I had planned to do, but it turns out it's something people are really hungry for, so I'm trying to meet the moment. And I've been putting together some recordings of some intermediate courses in jewelry. And I'll also be working on some beginner courses in jewelry that a lot of people could follow along with. I find it interesting that usually jewelry is very hands-on, especially the Mm -hmm. kind that you're doing. And the fact that you can now transfer it to an online experience. And people are hungry for it. And I think... Also, before our interview, you mentioned that the jewelry schools are not 
teaching. So somebody mm-hmm. has to be able to provide information or be able to teach this craft somehow. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about that? Sure. Um, you know, I felt very deeply since I started doing the workshops that uh, part of what I'm doing is quite vital. Jewelry is an ancient practice. Uh, it's been around for centuries. Uh, you find jewelry buried in the tombs of emperors and and pharaohs. Uh, it's been with us for, for millennia. Uh, and I really feel strongly that passing along that knowledge is, is vital. Like, there's so much to be learned just in the process of making jewelry. Uh, you know, it was how I rekindled an interest in things like math and science was by applying it to jewelry making. And I feel very strongly that it's important to keep passing along that knowledge, passing along that instruction for the next generation of jewelry designers and people who who just have an interest in craft in general. And one of the things I've really been noticing in this moment is that people are hungry for for craft. You know, they're stuck at home. They're sitting idle in some cases, and they're looking for for things to do. And this applies to people within the jewelry industry and just average people sitting at home who have no jewelry experience. You know, there are people who go on to YouTube and just watch how-to videos for things that they might do or might never do. And I'm just finding that moment really interesting that more than ever, craft is, is really coming back. So either you can acquire a new skill and craft or you can perfect it further now that you have the time to. Exactly. Yeah. Do you believe that the online experience has changed for your business? Yes. And I've noticed it a lot more just in the last five years. The comfort level that people have purchasing a more expensive piece of jewelry online has increased that comfort level has has risen. Uh, it's become like an interesting dichotomy is that like people really want the tactile experience of shopping in person, but they also like shopping from their homes. Uh, so in the past, what I had done is I did a lot of in-person shows to help people get to know me, my brand, my jewelry, get to touch and feel and think about it. Uh, and then I would always get orders later. So people did still want that in-person experience but they still ultimately wanted to go home, think about it, and then, you know, hit the button online to shop for it. Uh, So that experience had already been in the process of changing. Uh, But I think the online instruction, you know, right now, like the, the possibility to go someplace and learn is just not possible. And I think people are really hungry for knowledge, however they can get it, whether it's in person or by video. You had mentioned that you yourself foresee this to be a change that's going to be for the longer term. Mm -hmm. And you see that that's where the opportunity is going to be. Yes. I, you know, here in California, we're we're fairly lucky. You know, and I, I hesitate using that word lucky, but we've been fortunate to have some really solid leadership right now and we're, we're crushing the curve and that's great. But I also think that it means that we're likely to be in quarantine for longer than some other states. Uh, and I think it's to our benefit to stay in quarantine for longer. I genuinely do. Every, every scientific article I've read, every epidemiologist I've listened to, I think we're doing a good thing. But I do think that that means that long term, we have to warmly embrace this reality uh, and develop ways of working within it. 
rather than trying to fight against it or trying to plan for a return to normal. Because the truth is, I don't know that we're going to return to the same normal that we had before. I think regardless of what happens in the next few months, the when we reopen, I, I think we're going to see that it'll be a new normal. And I'd like to start embracing that now. I completely agree with you. So do you then believe that everyone really needs to have that online presence to be able to navigate through that type of interaction in for themselves and growing their business? I do. And I, you know, so I spent a number of years of my life working in retail, working with in consumer facing organizations and, and just generally being very good at that in-person relationship. And, uh, I do understand that there are any number of retail outlets or businesses that never wanted to go online, uh, that they felt that they themselves were better being just in person, part of the community. And I do absolutely believe that strongly, that that in-person presence is important. But I also believe that there are ways of taking that experience and translating it online. Like, I think I see a number of people who are doing the work of creating community within a digital space. And I think it's important to acknowledge that that is also a form of community. And if we can adapt to that right now in this moment where we are prohibited from meeting up in person, I I think that's going to carry a lot of businesses through. So if you're a business that was feeling a lot of resistance to entering the digital realm, uh, developing an e-commerce site. Like, now is the time to do that and to also remind your customers that you exist, uh, remind your consumers that, that you are part of their community still, too. And I think that's what's going to carry a lot of small businesses through. I, at minimum, stay in touch and mm-hmm. grow that community now because it's going to be Absolutely. vital to your business, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that we're going to be existing in this digital space for, for for a while. And I think it's worth it to not ignore your customers. I think it's worth it to remind them that you exist. What platforms are you using to market your business that has made a difference? Oh, gosh, um, I use a few. Uh, social media-wise, I mostly use Instagram. That's probably my biggest one right now. Uh, I have also used Facebook in the past for events, and as my digital and online courses come up, I will definitely be using Facebook more. Uh, In the past, I've also used Pinterest and, shockingly, LinkedIn (laughs) to some extent. Um, I know most small maker businesses don't really leverage LinkedIn that well, and honestly, it's a very hard space to do that in. Uh, But if you're doing any business-to-business services, uh, like, for instance, some of my workshops in the past could be used uh, for corporate team-building exercises. So LinkedIn was good for that. Uh, At the moment, it is Instagram, my email list. Uh, keeping in touch with my individual customers, too, uh, just shooting them emails, uh, thanking them for their orders, thanking them for their support, letting them know that I'm available for one-on-one Zoom lessons if they would like that, uh, just generally staying active, like, across all the platforms. But, you know, my my biggest strength as a business owner was always my in-person presence, so it's also spending a lot of time thinking about how I translate that in-person presence to my website. So I also write my blog. Uh, one of the things I've been doing lately is highlighting people who are either my vendors 
uh, or my retailers and letting them know their stories because I really believe like all of our small businesses are so deeply interconnected that we all rise and fall with each other's successes and failures. And I wanted to spend some time highlighting. So a couple of my recent blog posts are highlighting uh, who one of my vendors are, uh, sorry, who some of my vendors are and who some of my retailers are. Well, I love how you're able to take your business and then put it in multiple settings. Like, for example, even the corporate audience, I think most people wouldn't think of teaching jewelry class to a corporate team, right, Mm -hmm. in their particular setting. But the fact that you can do that, you can transfer that to different contexts. Like, it doesn't have to be just people who are focused on learning how to make jewelry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, I think really because of this digital age that we've been in for quite some time, really, like the last couple of decades, uh, people are even hungrier than ever to put their hands on tools and projects. It sounds like they can really do this now through your videos, and Mm -hmm. you'll be teaching from beginners to advanced audience? Yes, yes. Uh, I've had to teach myself uh, video editing on top of a number of other things, but that is definitely the life of a scrappy small business owner. We're always learning new things. Uh, but yeah, those will be available, I would say, within the next month. I love the fact that you're going to be teaching a program on Instagram, correct, today? Uh, so what today is once a week, pretty much since quarantine started, I've been just hosting a live Instagram and I call it Tool Talk. And it is literally me taking questions and giving answers about my favorite jewelry tools, my preferred jewelry tools, what I think is a must-have, what I think is a nice-to-have, and also just showing people what some unusual tools are that they might not be aware of. But mostly it's me taking questions from the audience. And it's been super fun. It's been a great bonding experience for people I know in the jewelry community and even made me new friends within the jewelry community online. Uh, and it's just been really gratifying to to use that as a, a way of maybe more lightly teaching, uh, but also learning. I mean, uh, some people have typed up in the comments with a tool or a brand or something that I wasn't aware of. And it's been a great way for me to learn about new tools as well. It sounds like it's a great way to connect and have that sense of community together as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other Instagram Live I've been doing is Fridays at 1.30 with my friend Brittany from Gemsteady, who's another Bay Area-based jewelry designer. And we've called it Insider Trading. And it is us taking questions and giving answers about where we think the future of the jewelry industry is going to lead us. And just where we are now, what people can be doing for their businesses now, and just uh, making it another community-based question and answer. Suzanne, based on your experience, it sounds like you need to be flexible, creative, and really focus on communicating. Is there anything else Mm -hmm. that's really important at this time? Um, Those would be it. Uh, Flexibility, I think, as a small business owner is always important. Uh, Thinking outside the box as a small business owner, is always important. Uh, I would say right now, leaning on your community, developing that community is really important. Uh, Where I'm seeing some people struggle is people who haven't spent the time to get to know people within their community. They're they're struggling a little bit more. 
Uh, but a lot of us are leaning on each other for information. Uh, within my community, we've been sharing all of the information about the EIDL and the SBA loans and the PPP. I mean, those emails started from almost day one. And my whole community has been great about piping up with, like, new information, new grants, new new stuff. And it just felt like I am deeply, deeply supported by the people in my community. Well, it sounds like you still have the opportunity to grow your community besides yes, connecting definitely. deeper, right? And then it sounds like you're also growing your business during this time through all these platforms that you're working on. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely putting in the work. I mean, I think that would be the other the other measure of a small business owner, like how much work are you willing to put in? There's the, the old joke about entrepreneurship that you'd rather work 80 hours a week for yourself than 40 hours a week for someone else. Uh, and I think that that has never been more true than now. Yes. Well, I appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you for joining me on Spark today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. We're going to take a quick break and thank our underwriters. Be back with our next guest, Emily Jenks, our second entrepreneur, who will be sharing her pivoting experience. Support for KXSF comes from Lady Falcon Coffee Club, an iconoclastic, only in San Francisco, coffee roastery. Born and blended by the beach in the outer sunset and female-owned and operated, look for Lady Falcon Coffee Club beans at Byright, Williams-Sonoma, Gus's, Rainbow Grocery, Good Eggs, and other fine food vendors, or at their vintage mobile coffee truck about town. Learn more by visiting their website at ladyfalconcoffeeclub.com. Thanks for supporting San Francisco Community Radio. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Our second entrepreneur, Emily Jenks, started as an attorney. She pivoted to creating and growing a photography business. That was a six-figure income for her, and it all came tumbling down during the pandemic. She will share how she is pivoting again in her current business. Thank you for joining me on Spark today, Emily. Thank you for having me. Tell us about your business and what it was like before the pandemic. Yes, so um, I own a photography business. Um, I was an attorney uh, till last year, but um, I became full-time photography business owner, and um, I grew my photography business from zero to six figures in my first year of business, Um, and I was actually doing really well and really excited for the prospect of this year, 2020. Um, I was already on track to, like, maybe double or triple my income from my slow months, so doing really great. Um, I even started a new um, company, and basically that's the week I started my second photography business is when everything shut down. What is it like for you now? Uh, Right now, um, I I gave myself a few days to just kind of dwell and also respond to all the cancellation or rescheduling emails. Um, But I think we're seven weeks into this, um, seven or eight weeks. I can't keep track anymore, but um, I've definitely pivoted to more online-based 
in photography and um, went back to my legal roots a little bit. So you were an attorney and then you pivoted to becoming a photographer and you became highly successful as a photographer. Then you were expanding on that. Then the pandemic hit. So then you had to readjust to this new reality, especially when you're refunding so many people who are generating this income for you. And then you had to reset as to what it's going to look like now. Yes. And what does that look like now? Yes. Um, so right now, I'm, well, I am hopeful that all these weddings and photo shoots that I had planned for, hopefully June, but you know, at least for the fall or late summer are happening, and I will continue to do that. Um, but I do have, because of this, I had the opportunity to expand on more of a uh, business and marketing education for photographers and hopefully eventually all creatives. But I had in the back burner, um, I had a website and I had a few blog posts, but now I'm able to just go full on with it. Um, And I now have a boot camp for photographers, especially beginning photographers, to just show them exactly what I did in my first year of business to be able to help them grow like I did. So it sounds like you grew rapidly within your first year, and now you're going to teach other people how to do the same and reach that six-figure income level, when this pandemic's over, they could also do the same as you have been able to accomplish. Yes. And now is also a good time for other photographers to do this, like implement all the strategies uh, right now because there's time. These are things that take time. So it's a great time actually for other people to learn and implement them as well. So you're basically saying the pandemic accelerated your focus I'm making this happen now. Yes. (laughs) All right. So now you're creating this online program that will then be accessible by others who want to learn because they've always had a love or they want to pivot to something completely different. And they can, now that they have the time to do it, this is the best time for them to learn and come up to speed and also learn the business side of how to not just take pictures, but actually make money at it. Exactly. But it sounds like you are juggling in different capacities, right? Yeah. So um, so since this happened, um, I, I am able to take on a few legal clients as well. I am trying to still focus on more other creatives, um, and but I've the clients, funnily enough, is what, I, what I've had is from my photography clients. They happen to know that I was also an attorney, so they reached out to me, and they reached out to me because they're like, well, I've been pushing this other business idea off, and now that I have the time, I need your help legally to set up, um, you know, my business or come up with contracts, so... Um, also working with other creatives and business, smaller business owners, now that they have the time. You're going back to your old skill of legal expertise, yes. and you're applying that as well to help mostly, it sounds like creatives who are asking themselves, okay, how do I structure my business? What do I need to do? Think about legal questions I need to address, maybe filing and so on. So it sounds like you are using all your skill sets, like it needs to really work for you now in terms of being both a creative, a business owner, and legal expertise. Yes. 
And it's really helpful right now because so many people are um, questioning the validity of their photography contracts. Um, you know, what what does it mean? This isn't really necessarily an act of God um, that, you know, created these. Um, so there's a lot of debate in photography industry and photographer and client contracts are a really big thing right now, too. So. so it sounds like you need to be open to possibilities of what you may have to intersect in terms of your skills and your interests like basically you might have to be open to using all your skills in other contexts rather than just using the set that you want to be using yeah sounds like it's working out for you yes yeah um it's been exciting and also challenging of course because it is every business you know in the beginning you do have to invest a lot of your time and you do have to do a lot of work up front it is about spending my time wisely and to see which venture is going to be long lasting so it's been challenging but also I do like to learn new things so I'm taking this time to just put myself out there in all different avenues. But it sounds like your challenge is more that you're wearing multiple hats. You're building this online photography program. You are also going back to your legal expertise and using that as well. And hopefully back to photography. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if we can ever go outside again, yes. Oh, I'm sure you will. You just take pictures like, well, yeah. you just have to be six feet away to take pictures, right? So you can use that huge zoom lens so the person can be pretty far from you. Yeah. <laughs> and that'll work, right? Not like the hair salons yeah. where they have to actually touch you. I know. <laughs> there we go. So based on your experience, what recommendation would you make for other people who are in the same situation? I think what will work for a lot of people is to find out what they're good at or what they know a lot about um, because what might what they might think is knowledge that most people have might not be true and there's always a way to teach online or create an online program even if it's like a job that you might not want to do forever once you set it up it's already set up. The hardest part is setting it up. And now that we have the time, it's probably the best time to do it because once that you can go back to your normal job, it's already set up. So hopefully, you know, all you have to do is maintain it and use it as a side job, or you never know, it might be your main income. So I think just finding what you know a lot about and just give it a shot to just try to teach online. So what you're saying is that be open or whatever you were thinking about creating, this is a great time to do it now. You do believe that the online platform is the way to go? Yes. Even so, for example, like other photographers, you know, even even if they don't want to teach, there are um, now FaceTime sessions where I've done a few, and it's like it's a little, it's a, it's a lot of fun actually, because you can still direct your clients through your. FaceTime phone and take photos through FaceTime. You know, you can consult them with your styling and that could be like a service that, you know, you set up now and it could be something that you can use even if after people can go outside because now you can take photos of people around the world. You can be with them while they're doing it. They just need to have you on FaceTime. Yeah, <laughs> so it doesn't have to be teaching. It could be like what you already do, but you, you can make it online. And it, it really does give you kind of a, a bigger freedom to do more in a way. You would say that 
now is the time to create what you may have in mind you or utilize the skills that you already have and teach you know change the context or the platform of it by it seems it seems like the only way right now to reach people is through online and figure out what that's going to look like and there are a lot of different creative ways you can do this yes you said it perfectly (laughs) (laughs) thank you well thank you for joining me on spark today emily yeah thank you so much for having me it's fun Time for a short break. We will return more on pivoting during the pandemic with our third and last entrepreneur, Heather Forrest. Keep real radio alive, people. Live, local, real radio. That's why you're here listening to KXSF, right? On 102.5 FM San Francisco. We give you more of what you want. Music and programming curated by actual human beings who live locally in your neighborhoods plus live music and interviews with local artists and bands. But to stay on the air, KXSF really needs your help. Donate now to KXSF by going online to www.kxsf.fm and clicking on Donate. It's 100% tax deductible. Keep real radio alive in San Francisco and donate now, everyone. Thank you so much. This is KXSF 102.5 FM, streaming worldwide at www.kxsf.fm. And you're tuned in to Spark with Kelly Marlowe. Informing minds, inspiring ideas, igniting innovation. Let the conversation sink into your soul. Our third and last entrepreneur, Heather Forrest, who went from making $12 per hour in the office, is now making closer to a six-digit income. She will share with us how she's able to achieve this income stream. Thank you for joining me on Spark today. Thank you for having me. So tell us about what you were doing before and what you are doing now. Currently, what I'm doing is I run a Pinterest marketing agency, but I obviously didn't start with that. I went to school for accounting, and prior to the push or the need to make a different sort of income to take control of my own income, I was working for an accounting firm, and I was I was just a basic accountant. I was running, and I was reporting to a CPA, and uh, I was making twelve dollars an hour, and it was a very abusive and toxic work environment. So that all sort of led me to where I'm at now which is uh, running a Pinterest marketing agency. So it didn't start that way, though. I started out just blogging. I found that on Pinterest that you could make money from blogging. And I was like, oh, I, I could do that like, on weekends. And at nighttime, I could figure out some time to put into that and maybe make an income. Well, there was a situation that happened at work where I was verbally abused, and I didn't feel comfortable working there anymore. And it was go time. It was now or never. So I quit my job and started working for myself, offering Pinterest services to other bloggers because in that short time where I had started my blog and when the abuse happened, it was about eight months in that time frame. And I had seen really good growth from Pinterest on my mom blog. I just wasn't making enough money from it just yet to quit. So that's kind of where it led me to offering Pinterest services for bloggers. So did you self-teach how to use Pinterest? I did. So for the most part, I learned all on my own. I had read some blog posts and 
uh, watched YouTube videos online, and then I had met someone who was uh, fairly new in blogging. She was maybe about a year ahead of where I was at that point, and she wanted me to actually do it for her, which is how I got started. And she taught me, she basically, in like a 15-minute Zoom call, taught me what she was doing for her blog. So I took what I already knew from using the platform for so many years as a consumer and then what I had learned up to that point blogging with what she taught me in that 15-minute Zoom call and pushed it even further. So, yeah, pretty well self-taught for the most part. So it sounds like you started off using it for fun, personal interests. Then you thought, hey, you know, it looks like I could make money off of something I'm already doing for fun. And then you taught yourself how to use it. And this opportunity came along and sped it up and got you going. It did. Yeah, that's exactly it. Okay. So it sounds like acquiring digital skills that you don't have may be the way to go now. Yeah. I mean, there's so many people out there that they don't realize what they already had in their tool belt. And that was kind of where I was at. Like I I had used Pinterest since its conception. When this all happened, Pinterest was about six years old and I had used it almost every day for personal use. So just learning how to use the platform as a consumer really propelled me forward in my business. I also see on your website that you position yourself as a virtual assistant, which I also think is brilliant because... There is a need for people who can help online or digitally or virtually. Can you talk a little bit about this? Yeah. So, most uh, assistant work is is booming. It basically you offer a service. Like I said, my skill set lended to social media. Growing up with social media um, really helped push me into that direction. Uh, But virtual assistant work is really blowing up in that you can take whatever skills you have now, even if you're in a corporate career, and offer those services digitally to people online, whether it's a service-based business or you're coaching other people in a specific area. um, It's like virtual assistant is kind of like a big umbrella, and there's so much more underneath that. So basically, it's just the thought process of taking the skills you already possess or taking a course to learn a new skill and then implementing that and offering it and paid. And this is a good time to learn these skills and acquire them. It's a perfect time. And there's so many amazing things out there that you can learn. A lot of virtual assistants start off just with what they already know and build upon that. Um, But like I said, there's so many courses out there and platforms where you can learn. You can even just go to Google and learn. Um, I would suggest if I, if I had to make a suggestion for anyone wanting to get into virtual assistant, it would to be t- to take like a, a skill assessment, almost like what you did in high school when you were thinking about applying for colleges and jobs. So it sounds like being a virtual assistant allows you the flexibility as well as create your own opportunity. And then you can decide how fast you want to grow, how big you want to grow. Absolutely. And there's there's different options for VAs out there. You can work for a company that you don't have to worry about hustling for and finding clients, or you can work for yourself and you can find your own clients. So there's multiple avenues and directions you could take that. Um, and then it just depends on, you know, what your comfort level is for risk. 
and, uh, you know, how you want to set your rates and what you want to get paid. At the end of the day, it's really up to you. So it sounds like you've been able to bring your income to a whole different level now from $12 an hour to you had mentioned that you're scaling closer to six digits, which is pretty um, amazing for a virtual digital assistant business, right? It is. And the way that I run my business, and because I went to school for accounting, I run a very lean business. So I don't have any excess tools or, you know, things, you know, bottom overhead, I should say. I don't have any excess overhead in my business that's not absolutely essential. So I have one team member, and then we have about um, five to six tools that I pay for every month to help us streamline and run our business. But aside from that, I run a very tight ship. Past skills always come into play, right? In in your case, accounting helps you to make sure that you're growing and you're staying profitable. Yeah, absolutely. You told me this story about traveling in an RV and working on an RV. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, this whole concept came from when my husband was, it was actually the day that I quit my job, my corporate job. Um, I came home to tell him that I had quit my job and I had not ran this past him at all. And he came home and told me that he got deployment orders. Our whole world turned completely upside down in a matter of eight hours. So we went through this whole really weird, rough season of us being apart and him being deployed, me being a stay-at-home, working-at-home mom at this point. And we just realized our priorities weren't different. They had changed. And we realized what was really important was family time. So with that, we started um, kind of researching what that would look like for us. If, if I were to take a different job, if he were to go guard in the military, like what all of our options would be. And then we ran across this YouTube video of a family that was traveling full-time working from their RV around the United States. And we're like, well, we could do that. Like we have good credit. We have an income. My business at this point had scaled point that I could, you know, manage all of the finances with just our income or my income. So we did it. We sold, um, 90% of our belongings, we stored the other 10% at his dad's house, and we bought an RV, we sold the house, we paid off all the debt that we had, um, minus my student loans, which never seemed to go away, and we hit the road. He just started doing all of like the maintenance and stuff on the RV. I worked and brought on clients and paid for all of our expenses, and then he just drove us around the United States for since it was close to nine months, we traveled consistently, and we were in the RV until March of this year when quarantine happened. We just happened to be closing on a house the same day that we went into quarantine. Wow. So you were doing your digital marketing in this RV while I was going from state to state? Yeah. Yeah, I would work um, kind of fringe hours. Because I have the flexibility to work whenever I want, I'm an independent contractor for all of my clients, I would work at night or early in the morning, and we would use the daytime to explore. So you could do both. You could actually travel and do digital marketing at the same time. Absolutely. Now is once you're out of quarantine, you can do that. It's totally feasible, and there are so many different options for RVs out there. So what would be your recommendation for someone who's at this time 
trying to figure out what to do next and trying to find an opportunity that's going to generate income, that's going to provide flexibility and also the opportunity to grow? Um, I would, first of all, evaluate my skills and what I'm good at. Once I know what my strengths are and what skills I can turn into a job, then I would honestly just go online and start researching virtual assisting. Just type in virtual assisting on Google and look at the opportunities out there. Look at the different learning materials that are out there that are so affordable. And then what I would do, and I've suggested this to a number of people over the last few months, is go onto Facebook and in the search bar, just type in virtual assistant. And there's going to be hundreds of Facebook groups that come up. And there are not only business owners in these groups, but other virtual assistants that you can learn from. And there's job opportunities in there. And all you have to do within the group is use the group's search bar and then search for your skill and see what comes up. There's just so many opportunities out there and people just don't know how to find them. And that's where I would start because so many people use Facebook every single day. And Google is a great place to start. So I started my business completely off of Pinterest and learning how to use Pinterest. I mean, you can search on Pinterest for that kind of thing, but most business owners aren't putting job opportunities on there. They're putting them on Facebook. So that's kind of where I would start. This is great advice. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you for letting me share. Well, thank you for joining me on Spark today. Thank you so much, Kelly. I really appreciate your time.